Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 8.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. And I am aware that this is not the traditional Ascension text. I know that, uh, except that when we are wrapping up a series of grace in Methodism, it's important that we explore a little bit of what sanctifying grace is, and then somehow I have to tie that into Ascension, and because of the glory of God, that will somehow emerge. We will make that happen. And so, as we have been discussing grace and its unique understanding in Methodism, we've been talking about how provenient grace is the grace that comes before. It reaches its crescendo, its climax in justifying grace, which allows us to stand righteous before our Lord in spite of all that we have done that was sinful and wrong and against the will of God. And then you have sanctifying grace. And sanctifying grace isn't a full bell curve resolution. Instead, it brings us to a point where we realize that we need to be justified again in much the way that an infinity symbol will work throughout the rest of our lives. That sanctifying grace is what tells us that we can be assured of the promises of our justification that our faith will yield not only tangible results here and now, but for eternal life. And so it drives us back into the church. It drives us back to the communion table where we encounter justifying grace. It drives us back into work, into the body of Christ, so that we can take our rightful place here or wherever it is that we find ourselves living and worshiping. And so sanctifying grace is that vital movement of God to make us better than we were when we woke up this morning. That we are not done, as I told the children, but instead that God is continuously working in us, making us better, loving us every step of the way, but every day through God's love, grace, and forgiveness helping us to overcome our sinful inclinations, helping us to move into a way of living and breathing righteousness where we no longer enact our will, but seek always and everywhere to interact and show people God's. It's a lifelong process. In the Methodist Church, we say it's going on to perfection. And it's not that we are perfect per se, but that our love can be, that we can truly encounter and embody perfect love here in this lifetime. Isn't that something we should all be striving for? And when I was ordained, they asked me in front of the entire church of Virginia if I believed that I'm going on to perfection. Sure, going on, yes, getting there, who knows. But yes, I do believe that I, that we, can go on to perfection here. I think I could even claim that I have met some people that have gotten there. Maybe. I don't think they would say that, but that's part of Christian perfection, is that we always see room to be more Christ-like. 
And so sanctifying grace is making us holier. Not holier than thou, but holier. It's making us more like the one who came to serve. The one who came to heal the sick, to repair the broken, and to love those who felt that they were unlovable. Sanctifying grace is vital to the Christian that is going to live at all after their moment of epiphany, that they do believe in Jesus Christ, that this is what they want for themselves, a faith that will have form and last. And so we dive into that. We seek to become part of that movement and that growth day in and day out. And we need that because there are some days when you are hanging on by a thread. You know those days? Where you think to yourself, if just one more person, God help me, if one more person asks something of me, lays one more burden upon me, casts something else at my feet, Jesus, give me strength. And then you know what happens? One more person shows up. And you're like, God, seriously? And then you realize that that thread you thought you were hanging by is not something that is cut it is not something that people can chip away at. Instead, it is your lifeline to Jesus Christ. It is our tether to the one who sits on high. And through that thread, that conduit, he is pouring out upon us encouragement, edification, even excitement. That yes, not only can we survive, we can persevere, we can thrive in the midst of everything that the world is throwing at us, whether it's sickness, whether it's struggling financially, whether it is battles in our own hearts and minds, whatever it is that is assailing us and assaulting us, that we can stand strong and firm because our foundation is the same one who is blessing us from above. And we are caught in between the glory of Jesus Christ that was here on earth and the glory of the one who ascended on high and shall return to us. And so on those days when you think to yourself, Jesus, come back. Come back, Jesus. We are reminded through sanctifying grace that Christ is present with us in the gathering of two or more. That Christ has sent us the Holy Spirit to imbue us with the gifts and graces necessary to manifest our Lord and Savior here in this world. And that when I am weak, you are strong. And when you need encouragement, I might be strong for you. Because Christ is the one who strengthens all of us. And that sanctifying grace moving between each of us, all members of the body of Christ, is something that we need to remember because we are going to need encouragement you know, we live in a world where sin will confront you every second of every day. There is no place that we can't look where we can't see sin at work or having been present or having left its mark. And we can become so depressed and discouraged by that. And sometimes it has a more present resonance when you encounter it through the church. Almost over 10 years ago, when I was serving a church in New Jersey, we were encountering people who were coming to the church looking for help. This happens in every church. Somebody comes to us looking for help. And the help 
varies. There are some consistencies. I need help paying my rent, my mortgage, my utilities. I need food. I need clothing. There are lots of similarities in need throughout the world. And so at this church one day, a woman called and said, I really need help with my rent. If I don't pay my rent, my apartment complex is going to evict me and I will be homeless. And so she came to the church and we had written a check to her apartment complex so that she would have her rent covered. And she needed some food, and so our food pantry got together some food for her. And as we were taking it out to her car, we were shocked at how old her vehicle was. And it didn't look like vintage amazing. It looked older than I am now, today, back then. And she was driving a nice little jalopy. And... It was a miracle, probably, that it had turned over and started, and she came to us. And so we were able to give her this food, and she left with this check, and we hoped that that would help to sustain her in her time of need. Well, a couple months went by, and we didn't see or hear from her until one day she called again, and she said, you know, I don't, I don't need rent. I think I've got my rent covered, but I need help with my utilities. And so once more, she turned to the church that I was serving and said, would you help me with my utilities? And we said, yes, we can do that. We got the information. We were going to fill out the check. She was going to come and pick it up. She said she didn't need food this time. But as she arrived and we were, giving her, we were getting the check ready for her, she said, I could use gas money. Okay. So we went searching through our petty cash to see if we could give her some cash for her gas. And she said, I'm going to wait outside. And so she left, and as I gathered together the cash that she needed for the gas and picked up the check from the treasurer, and I went outside, she was getting into a Lexus. Parked next to my 1990s Honda Accord. And you know, you have this moment when you think to yourself, what is going on? What is happening here? How did you go from that to this? And it was a newly registered car, I could tell from the stickers. And I'm thinking, what is happening? Now, I was having trouble wrapping my mind around this, so I simply gave her everything and blessed her and sent her forth. But I had a look on my face when I came back into the church office and the other staff were like, what happened? And I said, she got into a Lexus. And immediately you could see some of the anger. You could see it. And we were confused and some of us were a little bit leery because we couldn't help but think, have we just been played? What is going on? Are we paying her bills so that she can get a Lexus? But the truth is that we couldn't afford to let that one experience sour us. We couldn't afford to judge and say, that's it, shut down the food pantry, no more benevolence fund, this is over. Because the awful truth is that everywhere there is always somebody who is willing to take advantage of the church. It's human nature. It happens. And now over 10 years into ministry, I have more than a dozen experiences of this. But we can't let it jade us. Because the truth is, I will endure hundreds of those sour experiences for the one time when I know 
that we were Jesus Christ for somebody in need. I am willing to stand there and be made the fool. I am willing to say, you know, we just have to accept that there are some people who are going to defraud us because we're not here to judge. That woman and every one of us will have to stand before our maker, our creator, our redeemer on the day of judgment and stand before the throne and account. And whether she accounts for Alexis or not is none of my business. But I do know that when we stand up before Jesus Christ, we might be able to say, we tried to do what was right. And you called us to serve, and we served. And whether or not somebody needed it, was grateful for it, acknowledged it, we did it to honor you. And that is what we as the church do. Sanctifying grace lets us overcome when the rest of the world would say, you're foolish. Do you see what people do? Why are you throwing money and resources and time into this? Because we serve a risen Lord who threw everything into us. Everything. Every drop of blood. His last breath his three prime years of earthly ministry into us. And on our best day, we aren't even worthy of it. And yet it's ours. That grace, that gift, this love, we don't deserve it, and yet here it is. And sanctifying grace reminds us that even at our lowest point, God is ready, willing, and able to lift us right back up to justification and set us free once more. And so we yearn for that. We seek to give it to other people. Now, last week in my sermon, I shared with you that after church, I would be meeting with our youth and some adult chaperones to discuss depression and suicide and the stigma of those. And about a dozen youth and about six adult chaperones gathered together in one of the small rooms in our church. And in that very intimate setting, we discussed these very difficult and, quite frankly, taboo topics. And I watched and I listened, and I had to admit that there were times where the church had perpetuated pain and suffering because of the stigma, that the church had let go with mental illness and suicide that we had been part of the problem and not part of God's mercy and compassion and solution. And when we were starting to draw together everything that had been shared and the vulnerability and the authenticity that came out of our youth, one of them said to me, you know, you should come to all of our schools and do this. I think that would help. And I can't. Because in this day and age, I'm not welcome in our schools. And it's not that I go there dressed like this, but it's because I go there and I bear this. Even my title bears Jesus Christ. And right now, that's not a very welcome thing. In fact, one of my predecessors here at your church was told that they had to stop going and having lunch in the high school that they could not be present in that way. And so it is moments like that that I rejoice 
that the same sanctifying grace at work in clergy is at work in you. Because you can go where I cannot. You are empowered. And in some ways, you are better at going where I am locked out. I can't go into the depths of the hospital. I can go into the patient rooms to visit for a time. But I can't be back there in the operating rooms and in the surgery centers. But you can. I get locked out of military bases. But you can go there. There are places such as our schools where people are yearning and desperate to hear grace in Jesus Christ. And you can go where I and my colleagues cannot. And so we encounter sanctifying grace in the relationship between clergy equipping laity. Because you can go in like a ninja. They're not going to see you coming. They're not going to realize that you come burying Christ sometimes in a more profound way than I do. And in the way you interact with people, the way you speak to them, you acknowledge and grant them dignity, the way you love them in spite of all of the stigma, the condemnation, and the categorization that happens, they will know that they are loved they will encounter Jesus Christ in you. And sanctifying grace makes that possible because it starts to work in us to make us more like Jesus Christ when people look at us. That they can see in our acts of kindness the love of our Lord. When they start to encounter acts of mercy in you, they realize that Jesus Christ is reaching out through you to care for them and love them in the midst of their darkest days, their most embattled struggles, that you are there with them and for them, and that when everyone else shuns them and turns their back, there will be at least one who will stand with them and love them. And that is the gift of the church to the world. We are not here as gatekeepers. We are not here as the privileged Gnostics who have knowledge on high that we might bestow upon others if we find them worthy. We have come to go forth. We gather here to be edified and strengthened, to refill our reservoirs of grace and to go out and pour them out on others. We don't come here because we are worthy. We come here to worship the one who makes us that way by his gift of grace, his sacrifice, his unburdening of us so that we are free to love and live and help others discover that that is the gift that Christ brought them as well. And in a world filled with darkness and depression, in a world that is filled with those who are unworthy, and those that we appreciate. Our message is for all people that Christ has come and died because every single one of us have been declared worth it by God. And so we cling to this sanctifying grace. And in our moments of weakness, we pray that we would be sanctified 
that we would be strengthened and that when we felt ourselves weak, that God would surround us with a cloud of witnesses to help us do this work, this mighty, magnificent, and often unseen work. Because we can't let ourselves get soured. We can't let ourselves have enough and reach that point to say, I'm done. We can't tap out. There's no time when you and I can retire from being a disciple. You don't retire from that. You die. That's it. That's our only option. And while there are days when our discipleship will look different, there are courses in our lives where things may no longer be capable of the way in which they first were, now we must change how we serve and the way we serve and where we serve. Sanctifying grace helps us to make those adjustments, to deal with change, and help us be just as effective in all the days to come as God has willed us from the beginning. And so when you wake up tomorrow, before your feet hit the floor, may you remember that before your eyes were opened, God's grace was already at work in you. And that tomorrow, someone is going to hear you or see you or interact with you. And by God's grace, they won't see you at all. They will see their Lord and their Savior. And their hearts will be warmed. And they will discover that they are not lost, but that they are loved. May it be so, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.